How are you doing tonight? Do you know Jesus is wonderful? He's alive. He's well. And He lives tonight to make intercession for you, for me. And did you know that what's happening here tonight is of extreme importance in the realm of heaven? As they look down at Lancaster, they're looking at our house and at other houses that are having services, and they're keenly interested in what's happening there. All of heaven sits up and sits at attention when His people gather together. It draws His attention so much that He comes and says, I'm going to come too. You know, where two or three are gathered, there I am in the midst of them. So He's here tonight. And if you would like to, if you've never encountered Him, if you don't know who Jesus is as far as you don't know Him relationally, then I'm going to pray here in just a moment and I'm going to ask Him to touch you and to encounter you tonight in a way that's unique and individual to you, in a way that is undeniable to you. And so as the sermon is going on and as all this is, the rest of the evening is happening, the Lord's going to be there hovering over you, encountering you. And um, you'll have opportunity to know Him on a name-to-name basis, face-to-face basis. Hallelujah. We are uh, privileged so much that tonight to have the founder of Church of the Word International, the uh, apostle in this house, uh, here with us, and he's going to minister to us tonight. If you're new with us, this is why I'm, I'm talking this way, so that you understand who this is as well as maybe you're not familiar with the fivefold ministry. What, what is apostle, prophet, teacher, pastor? What is all of that? And um, just to put it real simply, an apostle is someone who's a sent one. And he's one that starts things. And in this case, Apostle Dale started Church of the Word International way back in, in Titusville years ago, back when the Dead Sea was still sick. <laughs> I'm going to come stand on this side now. <clears throat> and, um, and then through the years they came here to Lancaster and the Lord um, asked him if he would start Church of the Word International here. And so that's how the church got planted. So we have a special privilege to hear what the Lord would have to say through our brother. And, you know, look to the Lord to be your teacher tonight. Look to Him to... Um, reveal things to you, things that uh, don't don't put your pressure on man, put it on the Lord, and he'll speak and, and bring revelation to you. Father, we just come to you right now, and I ask you, Lord, by your Holy Spirit, I invite you into this room upon every person. Lord, we just we're here, we welcome you, and I ask you, Father, to encounter every person here, whether they have a relationship with you or not, that you would draw them to you, that you would overshadow, hover over them, um, come near to them in a way that they recognize that it is you, that it is God, that He is real, that He is alive. I thank you for this. I thank you that you have put a draw upon every person tonight and you have made available to us understanding and revelation that wasn't available before. In Jesus' name, and amen. You know, the Word says He's given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. So whatever you're needing tonight is available to you. I'm going to now turn it over to Apostle Dale.
It's, it's uh, Resurrection Sunday, amen, even though this is Saturday, but we still don't know how long I'm going to preach, so it might be. <laughs> so happy Thanksgiving, not happy Thanksgiving, happy Easter. Boy, that's a long sermon. Happy Easter. I said that in the back room, happy Thanksgiving. Must be because I'm hungry, I don't know. Happy Easter, praise the Lord. <laughs> Jesus is alive. Yeah, amen. Well, let's open our Bible to the book of Colossians. Terry was teasing with me the other day, you know, you're going to preach on Easter, you always do something strange on traditional days. And uh, we had some family in the house, and I had to admit, I remember first or second year I was pastoring, it was Mother's Day, and I forgot it. That's not really good for a pastor. I forgot it was Mother's Day, and so I'd scheduled to preach on how how to cast out demons. I'm not making this up. If there's one sermon that doesn't go over very well on Mother's Day, it's just remember it's not. I didn't say Mother-in-law Day. It's Mother's Day. Is to teach what the Bible says on how to cast out devils. Somebody say, well, why would you do that? Because I prayed to ask God for a sermon, and that's the one he gave me. So it's always good to blame the Lord in places and situations like that. But tonight, we do have a, a biblical message on the resurrection. Not so much about Jesus' physical resurrection, but as a consequence of his resurrection. Did you know you've been raised from the dead? Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. You see, because he lives, I can live also. You, you've been raised from the dead. That's what the new birth is all about. And uh, let's, let's start here then in, in Colossians 2. And I hope it may be a little different than some cases, but I'm going to probably read a little more scripture than maybe I might normal. Let's start in verse 6 of Colossians chapter 2. As you have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in Him. And I appreciated Pastor Sidney's heart. If if you've never received Jesus as the Lord of your life, well, tonight's your night. That's why you're here. Amen. And uh, I'm not one of these shy preachers. This is not an every eye closed and every head bowed church. This is an every eye open and peeled and everyone looking around church. I, I never understood that. As if you were ashamed to receive Jesus. I mean, this is better than the price is right. You ought to run down here. Amen. And, and receive what God has for you. Don't go a day without Jesus. As you've received Jesus, so walk ye in him rooted and built up in him and established in the faith as you have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. You want to abound therein with thanks. I know this is King James English, but just break it down. There's so much meaning here. You know, it just gets better when you thank God for it. Amen. I like Paul. He was a very uh, 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 forward about the purpose of praise. Rejoice in the Lord always, he said. And again, I say what? Rejoice. Rejoice. See, that's, he didn't just say joyce, he said rejoice. 
Amen. Anybody by the name of Joyce here? Glory to God. Rejoice. Abound in your salvation, rooted and built up in him. Abound in, in that reality that you're in Christ and that Jesus is in you with thanksgiving. Verse 8. Beware. See, there's dangers. And Paul was very pointed about it. Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit. Now, spoil here doesn't mean, you know, like, like you leave uh, something out of the refrigerator overnight and it spoils. No, no. This word spoil, he uses it again later when he talks about how when Jesus was raised from the dead, he conquered death, hell, and the grave. And the Bible says he spoiled the enemy. That, that means more than just defeated the enemy. That means when you spoil, the, have you ever heard the phrase, the spoils of war? Yes. You know what that means? Is you, not only you defeat them, you get all their goods. Yes. Not only do you invade Iraq, you take their oil. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I thought I was with President Trump for a minute. <laughs> That's spoiling your enemy. That's right. And Jesus spoiled the enemy. Oh, glory. I get ahead of myself. Hallelujah. But see, now the devil wants to spoil you. John 10.10 says the thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. He's not satisfied just stealing from you. He wants to kill you too. And you know, even when he kills you, he's not satisfied yet. He wants to destroy you, meaning wipe the very memory of you off the face of the earth. Satan's a mad dog and he has an intent and we have to stand against it. And one of Satan's greatest strategies is right here encountering what God's done for your life. He wants to take it away from you. Somebody says, well, can you lose your salvation? You better worry about more important things like losing your joy before you get off into losing your salvation. You've let too many things slip already. And you've lost some things you forgot you ever had. But we stir ourselves up because of the goodness of God. See, beware lest any man. See, the devil likes to use people. Amen. But you need to recognize that our warfare is not with flesh and blood. Second Corinthians teaches us this. We don't warf against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. Against spirits of darkness that rule the age, right? So your mother-in-law is not your problem. Amen. Neither is your boss. Neither is your neighbor. Hello? Neither is that soldier that's holding you at the border and sticking a gun barrel in your back. you got to recognize that flesh and blood's not your problem, but the spirits that are manipulating and are behind it. Amen. And, you, and you've been sent to set that person free. But you need to beware lest that, that man is used by the enemy to what? Spoil you. How? How does Satan intend to take from you that which belongs? He says, through philosophy and vain deceit, after the traditions of men, after the rudiments or the elements of the world, and not after Christ. Now, You can go through this list and say, well, Paul was against philosophy. No, Paul had a philosophy. See, we have a philosophy, a Christian philosophy, but the devil has a philosophy too. 
We have a worldview, but the devil has a worldview. See, there's a biblical worldview or there's a godless worldview. And there are many different or varieties of the worldview, but uh, because lie is always plural, but truth is always singular. Amen. So don't be afraid of philosophy. Be afraid of having the wrong philosophy. Amen. And they'll use philosophy, the love of, the, of, of knowledge, They'll use that to snare you, and through vain deceit, that leads you into the traditions of men. That's why I want to emphasize this, because Easter is a tradition, and I hate traditions. Why? Well, because that's one of the ways Satan snares people and keeps them from the truth. I remember I had a good friend, Catholic, and... uh you know, said to me, well, you know, sometimes I just like to go to Mass and hear them do Mass in Latin the way it was intended. Well, what are, what are they doing? Well, they're just enjoying a taste of atmosphere, maybe something they were raised with. Certainly it's some kind of an emotional connection. But they're sitting there listening to a service in a language they don't know. But there's all the pomp and circumstance. There's all this, this sol- solemnity, right? And, and, and they, they, they say, well, I, I'm closer to God in that. No, no, you're not. You're closer to yourself. <laughs> she came out of that. She was, she was Catholic. So, she, you know, and, and yet when we look back at it, once you come out of it, you realize, imagine that, whole generations hundreds of years of people where they they locked the Bible up in a language that nobody could read and created traditions to rule people by. See, what is that? That's the philosophy I'm talking about. That's the, the that leads into a tradition. Hold your hand there. Didn't intend to go here, so it might be midnight. But let's go to <laughs> Matthew 15. I remember uh, years ago, and I mean years ago, probably 30 years ago, the Lord was ministering to me about a Sunday sermon, and the Lord said, teach on the victory of worship and the defeat of idolatry. And I, I remember it vividly. And uh, something about that, when God speaks to you, you remember. And I, and I, and I remember telling the Lord, uh, I don't know anything about the victory of worship and the de- defeat of idolatry. Often the Lord would just give me a title, and tell me to preach on it. And I have no clue what I'm supposed to preach on other than I have a title. I remember one time Jim Dumont called me and said, come up and teach at healing school. And I said, sure, I'd love to. Hung up the phone. The Lord said, teach on how to heal the human spirit. I said, okay, Lord, how do you heal the human spirit? <laughs> I know what I'm teaching on, but I don't have a clue what it is. And the Lord said, teach on, boy, am I off subject. The Lord said, teach, teach on the victory of worship and the defeat of idolatry. I said, okay, but man, what I know about that is going to last 15 minutes. I think I preached 10 sermons on that. I couldn't stop preaching. I preached from May until August on how uh, the victory of worship and the defeat of idolatry. Glory to God. Amen. Uh, so here in Matthew 15, this was my text. I started listening to one. I, I hunted it up 
and was listening to it because Robin Ginder went and took thousands of cassette tapes and digitized them so I can listen to myself. I heard it the first time, but I didn't get it. Matthew 15, look here. Verse 1, then came Jesus, then came to Jesus, scribes and Pharisees who were of Jerusalem and said, why do your disciples transgress the traditions of the elders? For they wash not their hands when they eat bread. I was pretty sure when I was a little boy that my parents were Pharisees. But he answered and he said unto them, Why do you also transgress the commandment of God by your traditions? See, traditions here. Talking about the traditions of men. And then he goes on and he he talks about the word, the very first promise, uh, or the very first commandment with promise. Honor your father and mother. What's What's the promise? You live long on the earth, right? I don't know why we're so stupid to wait till we're older to start thinking about long life. Because the first promise is honor your father and mother, or first commandment with promise. When do you teach the first commandment with promise? When they're about two? When it goes from training to understanding? Might even be three or four for some of you boys. Right? Yeah. So honor your mother and father's first commandment with promise. What's the promise? So when should you start teaching people about how to live long? When they're about two or three. Amen. I don't know why we're so stupid to wait until it's hard to get out of bed. And and you wonder, boy, I look in the mirror and think, who is that fellow? I better start quoting scriptures about long life. Well, I don't know about you. I honored my mother and father. I don't die easy. Amen. I'm going to live long in Jesus' name. That, that, that promise was given long before Captain Kirk and Spock ever came around. I'm going to live long and prosper. Amen. So he said in verse six, uh, where he's explaining in verse, verse 5, but you say, whoever will say to his father or his mother, it's a gift by whatsoever thou might be profited by me and honors not his father or his mother, he shall be free. See, they, they had a tradition they made that, that blanked, it blanked out the very first commandment with promise. See, if you'd go to the priest and say, I'm going to give extra money to the church, well, then I don't have to do this because I'm occupied blessing in another area. And they just created some other tradition. But Jesus said, look, you got all these traditions that end up destroying man's obedience to the word of God. All right. And uh, verse six, and, and you don't you end up not honoring your father or your mother. Thus, have you made the commandment of God of none effect by your tradition? Now, how many of you know the word of God's powerful? How many of you know God said, let there be light? And there was light. How many of you know that Jesus, his word was with power and many people would come to him and say, just speak the word only and my servant will be healed. God's word is powerful. Amen. Karen was, was exhorting that to us. How, how powerful God's word is. 
But do you know right here, the Bible gives us one way that the devil uses to take the power out of the Word of God. See, you've made through your, you've made the commandment of God of none effect by your tradition. Now that's what Satan tries to do. He tries to rob the truth by getting you to focus on tradition. And there you are sitting in some Catholic cathedral, listening to a service in another language that you don't even understand, thinking you've, you're doing something that you're even closer to God, but you've been robbed of the truth. So, thus, through tradition, you miss out on the reality. Go back to Colossians. This is what Paul's talking about. And you say, well, you know, thank God I'm not one of them Catholics. No, you're worse. Because your traditions, you've got reasons for them. I hate religion. I don't know anybody hates religion as much as I do. Religion kills people all over the world. You go to India and I just still can't get over it. People starving and worshiping cows. Man, I'd sit down and eat. <laughs> and eat well. Sure wouldn't go to McDonald's and eat one of these soy burgers, dear Jesus. See, people are so full of traditions. See, and again, you say, well, I'm, thank God I'm not one of those Buddhists in India. No, you're worse. Your tradition wears a better suit. Or doesn't. Amen. And uh, I remember when we started CWI, in 2006, see, we had we had a, a a lot of folks come in immediately from other places, and they all had baggage, uh, hurts, uh, religious traditions. So I I determined to mix it up. So on one we we, we met on uh, I believe it was Saturday nights, wasn't it? And uh, so I would wear a suit and a tie and look like the typical preacher. And then the next week, I'd come in with jeans and a T-shirt. And then the next week, I'd change it up and have a sweater. And the next week, I'd back to a suit with no tie. And then I'd go back to a suit with a tie. I literally then had somebody come up to me and say, Pastor, I'm confused. I wanted to say I know it. But... <laughs> I'm in a cranky mood tonight. I don't know what it is. <laughs> Glory to God. Somebody literally come up to me and says, I'm confused. I, I don't know how to dress. If you need me to dress you, your problems run deep. <laughs> but see, now what is that? No, no. He's just probably the only honest one in the crowd. Because we are so peer conscious. People say, you know, well, I want to be holy. You, no, you don't. You just want to have peer level holiness. That, that's, that's why we've lost our passion for Jesus. I, I, peer level holiness. What's that mean? That, that means whatever group you're in, that's, you'll adopt that standard. You're not following Jesus' standard. You're following what's permissible in the group. You haven't made a moral decision. You made a peer level decision. 
And it goes both ways. That's the funny thing about it. I've seen it go both ways. I mean, I remember a couple, Terry and I used to get to know them because we were both homeschooling. We'd go to their house and eat. They went and changed churches. And they went from a perfectly good northwestern Pennsylvania redneck church to, to a holiness church. And overnight, the wife started wearing dresses down to her ankles and putting her hair up in a bun. And, and, and they, they just went full hog, not into holiness, into bondage. No, I intended that pun, but it just fell flat. Nobody thought it was funny. I mean, I've seen it go both ways. That's not pursuing holiness. That's just fitting in with the crowd. And then it goes the other way, is if they come out of that and sit in a crazy church like this one, they'll start, and everybody's looking at me. And before you know it, they'll start talking to their husband. Should I take my, what do you call that, doily or whatever that thing is? Should I take that off? You know? Because they're not being, that, how many of you, that ain't the Holy Ghost. No. Now, if the Holy Spirit comes and says, take it off, you've been set free, then dance a little bit and you're free. But it's because you've encountered a living Jesus, not because you've been snared by a philosophy of vain deceit and the traditions of men that rob the Word of God of its power. Amen. And, and, and there's, there's so many examples. I don't know, and they keep coming around because the devil's persistent. I heard Brother Hagin say when I was young that air in the church circulates about every 20 to 30 years. You see the same thing come around. And it's, and it's so true. And people take this tradition and put it out there in its replacement for the power of God. I remember it didn't take long when we started the church. Before long, eventually, you know it's going to happen. They just come because they've been kicked out of every other place. Uh, that's the truth. When you start a new church, it's one of the first things you need to understand is you're going to deal with nine-tenths of problems that have left other churches. And I remember the guy came to me, Pastor, God's called me as a prophet. May I blow my shofar? I said, well, uh, that's why we have a worship leader. You talk to him. I love worship leaders because you just pawn it off. <laughs> and he's <laughs> he's like, this prophet, this prophet, he's like, well, no, no, I mean, it, you know, at anointed times of your message, if you look at me, I'll blow the shofar. Well, that's why I look at him. And he'll, he'll, he'll blow his saxophone. <laughs> I personally, and I told him this, I personally prefer the saxophone over the shofar. It sounds better. And then the look hits him. Oh, but you don't understand. The shofar's anointed. Because that's what they blew, you know, in the Old Testament. Well, they blow something else now. You don't have to blow the shofar. I mean, if you can blow the shofar and make music with it, have at it. I mean, I've seen anointed uh, 
accordions. And, and that's not easy to find. <laughs> Amen. Because I've seen anointed accordions and I've seen accordions not anointed. And I've seen anointed saxophone and saxophones that aren't anointed. So just don't tell me blowing a shofar is going to be anointed. But you're stuck on a tradition. And you're so focused on it that you've missed the reality and you're enjoying the shadow. Let's read on. Are you back in Colossians 2? Have I meddled enough? Glory to Jesus. See, beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy, vain deceit, after the tradition of men, after the elements or the rudiments of the world, and not after Jesus, not after Christ. See, evaluate everything where Jesus, with Jesus in mind. Amen. Amen. I remember uh, I was, oh my goodness, 18, probably, probably no more than 18 years old. And uh, a church sent a committee to come and interview me and ask me if I'd be their pastor. And, and I was like, huh? I'd been preaching in these Methodist churches. And, and so they sat down in my father's photography studio at a table, and they said, well, here we would like you to come and be our pastor. Some, some of them somehow had gotten by accident into a, a Methodist church where I preached and uh, so I read the statement of faith. They gave me this statement of faith. And right on in the statement of faith, it said, I don't remember it verbatim, but it said something like, you know, tongues have passed away and they're not to be in the, the church. And I just gave back and I said, I, I'm not your pastor. I, I, I said, you just told the Apostle Paul not to come. <laughs> See, they created a tradition and made that tradition higher authority than the Word of God. Hello? So even if you don't believe in tongues, just keep your mouth shut. You can't create a tradition that's going to go against Jesus. Verse 9, For in Him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. In Him. And you are complete in Him. Say complete. Complete. You know what complete is? When you put the last piece of the puzzle in the puzzle, making the puzzles over. Now you're in adoration phase. Terry finished a thousand piece puzzle a week or so ago. When you put the last piece in, except in her case, because she lost a piece. <laughs> when you put the last piece in the puzzle, you're done. You don't go get yourself an exacto knife. And say, let's have more fun. <laughs> it's either complete or it's not complete. Jesus either said it's finished or it's to be continued. But he said it's finished. And you're complete in him. But that's why most traditions exist, because people don't believe it's complete. They gotta have more. Well, let me let me let me explain something. You can't get more than what you got. Whew! 
but there's a good chance you don't remember or know what you got. I'm complete in Him. That means I don't need extra. I'm going to meddle. I know it. I'm feeling cranky. you got to love me, though. It's a commandment. There's, whole, there's reams of books written about it. Well, I want more. You ain't even doing very well, very good with what you got. Well, I need more of God. Well, get born again. Get filled with the Holy Ghost. What do you mean you need more? Sure is quiet in this Episcopalian church. You're either complete in Him or you're not. But see, traditions come in. People come to me and they'll say something like this. Well, Pastor Dale, I know God uses you to set people free and cast out demons. You, you know, so I'm sure you agree with me. That's that homosexual spirit. That's the strongest devil. I don't see Jesus comparing them. I mean, if you're going to step on a big black ant or a little red ant, one might be stronger than another. But you're going to step on him. I wouldn't worry about how strong he is. But you make up this whole process because why? Well, we're not complete. You got to have something more. It's just not complete. You got to add the shofar. I don't know why I'm on a shofar. <laughs> Show good shofar. Probably I'll pick on something like that so I'm not, so you can say, thank God he's not picking on me. Amen. No, you're complete in him. Hallelujah. Let, let him, let the Lord show up and you don't need a shofar. Or if you do have a shofar, fine. I'm not against a shofar. I'm just against bad music. If you can blow it, praise the Lord, like I said, but you are not anointed because it's the right instrument. Yeah, you know. See, you're complete in Him. No, you know, maybe your problem is you don't fast enough. Well, I believe in fasting, but fasting isn't going to give me anything more than what I got. It's like Dave Roberson said. He said people used to come to him and say, well, you teach on fasting a lot. And Dave Roberson does. And fasting is powerful. Don't Same issue as with shofar. Praise the Lord. Somebody came to Dave Roberson and said, how come when people fast, like they'll fast 40 days, most of them, they get really weird. They go off the deep end in some extreme. Dave Roberson's answer was classic. Well, that's because they were weird before they started fasting. <laughs> that's the truth. Well, see, if you approach fasting as if you're incomplete and you need something else, well, you've missed out on the reality that the Son of God died and was raised from the dead, and you were raised from the dead with Him, you're not half alive. You're fully alive, fully redeemed in Christ. And you don't need to add something more to it. There's no more to be added. The blood's been shed. 
Amen. Verse 11. And you are, verse 10, and you are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power. Whoo, glory to God. In whom also you are circumcised with a circumcision made without hands. So you can all relax. <laughs> in putting off the body of the sins of the flesh, by the circumcision of Christ. Now here, let's just stop, because I know your Bible students enough to understand this. There is, and was under the Jewish covenant, a physical seal of the covenant called circumcision. Amen. And that marked them as members of the covenant in, in, the, in their tribe, right? But Paul said in the book of Romans, not all Israel's Israel. Because it's, it's appropriated by faith, not by the flesh, right? And now the, 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 the right of circumcision here, Paul is going to show us, is, is for all of us, but it's not done with hands. How is it? What has replaced circumcision? Or let me say it another way. What did circumcision foreshadow foretell or predict and the bible teaches this it's water baptism see in verse 12 we were buried with him in baptism wherein also you are risen with him through the faith of the operation of god who raised him from the dead and you, being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, has he made alive together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses. All of them, thank God. Say, well, I think I need to go to this special healing process to make sure I get all this gunk out of my spirit. Well, read Verse 13, and get all the gunk out. Amen. I'm all for helping people. And any way that it helps people to appropriate what belongs to you, I'm all for that. Except I'm not for, for traditions and gimmicks and schemes. Because those things don't deliver people. They take them away from Christ and back into a shadow. But the real is come. He said, let's, let's read on. Blotting out, when he forgave you all trespasses, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross, and having spoiled principalities and powers. See, through philosophy and vain deceit and traditions, they try to spoil you. But Jesus spoiled them. He made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. Let no man therefore judge you in meat or drink or in respect of a holy day, happy Easter, or of the new moon or of Sabbath days, which are a shadow of things to come. But the body is of Christ. Now, Paul here is talking to Gentiles about Jewish bondage. Amen. And he's referencing that they would judge one another on meat, don't eat pork. 
I mean, I'm just so glad God gave Peter that vision. And bacon descended out of heaven. <laughs> bacon, bacon, bacon. Or in drink. Or in respect of a specific day or a season of the moon or of a Sabbath. I heard some idiot talking about some, you got to take this special offering on a special day because it's some special Sabbath. Now I'm completing Jesus. I don't need anything more than, than faith in, in what he did for me and on the cross and to receive what he did for me. And don't let the devil snare you. See, there's something extra. There's a reason you're not prospering because you didn't give into this special type of offering. I'm sorry, but the church is just full of so many gimmicks. Traditions. How many of you know we don't need that? See, those are a shadow of things to come from the past, but the body, the substance, is Jesus. So don't let any man beguile you of your reward, what's your reward? I'm complete in Christ. Glory to God. Don't let anyone beguile you of your reward in a voluntary humility and worshiping of angels. See, that comes around. I believe in angels. Seen them, been ministered to by them, rescued by them. I thank God for angels, but you don't worship them. Somebody said, well, well, yeah, I'm not going to get on my knees and worship them. Sometimes people worship them by the attention that they give them. Amen. Intruding into those things which he has not seen, vainly puffed up by his fleshly mind, and not holding the head. There it is again. See, all of these error, errors come when we let go of Jesus. Don't let go of Jesus. You can discern where, where everything's going by how it reflects upon Jesus. Amen? Not holding the head from which all the body by joints and bands, having nourishment ministered and knit together, increases with the increase of God. Wherefore, if you're dead with Christ from the rudiments or the elements of the world, why as though living in the world are you subject to ordinances? Touch not, taste not, handle not, which all are to perish with the using after the commandments and doctrines of men, which things have indeed a will or a show of wisdom in will worship. Underline that. You see, a lot of the preaching today isn't gospel deliverance or salvation. It's strengthening man's will to be a better person. Terry and I sat through a sermon probably 15 years ago, and after it was over, she turned to me and said, if you took everything out, out, if you took Jesus completely out of this, would his sermon even change? If Jesus Christ didn't exist, would his sermon be any different? And you know it wouldn't have been. Because there's something wonderful about man's will and, and being disciplined and, and doing the right thing. But where's the worship of Jesus in that? 
I mean, strange, strange Easter service, maybe. But I mean, I've met Mormons more holy than many Christians. So why, why is that? Will worship, self-discipline. But see, they, they don't have Jesus living in their heart. They're not redeemed and they're not forgiven. And when you're not forgiven, you can reform your life sometimes even more because you're working under pressure. I've got to pay it back. I've got to do it better. I've got to give back. See, like the parable Jesus said about the man who he was forgiven all of his debts. What did the man do? He went to everyone that owed him and he shook them and he made them pay him back. The whole lesson there was, you don't have to pay it back. You're free. You've been raised from the dead. The old man is dead. The old way is gone. And not only the old man, and this is where traditions come in. But not only is the old man gone, but so's the old mode of existence. So's the old covenant. So has the law passed. Somebody says, well, you, you, you mean the Ten Commandments have passed? Yeah, according to Paul, they, they've passed. Because we've moved into a new and higher commandment of love. I don't need ten points to walk in love. And if I walk in love, I'll fulfill all ten points. Amen. So, so the, 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 the point here is, is Paul is pointing out that, that there's this reality of Jesus has come and has been displayed because a man, a flesh and blood man, died on the cross, the Son of God, shed his blood, and then was raised from the dead. He's now alive. Now, I, some of us, our perception of this is no different than a relative that died and went to heaven. And Jesus died and went to heaven. No, no, in between, Jesus was raised from the dead. My grandfather and my father both died and went to heaven. Jesus was raised from the dead and crossed over. Jesus isn't like my father and my grandfather in heaven. Jesus is like you in heaven. There is a living man seated at the right hand of God. And everything that, that led up to Jesus pales in comparison. That's why Paul called it a shadow. Turn with me to Philippians. I'm, gonna, I'm not done meddling. Philippians chapter 3. It comes about every 20 years. About 25 years ago, I was sitting in a minister's conference with about 600 pastors in Branson, Missouri. And the leader of the organization said, now today we didn't put it on the bulletin because we don't want this known public and we're not going to record this message. You're not going to be able to get any tapes. And I thought, well, now that's odd. But we have a special guest who's going to come and teach us from the Bible and explain to us the Old Covenant and Rabbi Shama Shama Shama. So Rabbi Shama 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 came up to teach me what he doesn't know. 
And I thought, and if, and I thought, well, you know, maybe Rabbi got saved. Cause surely, surely, you got Joyce, now you got Shirley. Surely, <laughs> they, they wouldn't do, they're not this stupid, but they are. Cause it happens about every 20 years. See, now here comes this rabbi going to teach us old covenant. And I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, I, I gave him about five minutes till I figured it didn't take long to find out he's not born again. He doesn't believe in Jesus. He doesn't believe Jesus is the Messiah. So I got up. Pat Murphy was there. He saw it coming. I just got up. And I just started talking loud and rude. And I said, well, gentlemen, I'm out of here. The Bible says don't even wish them Godspeed. Don't eat with them. Don't sit down with them. And I just started walking down the aisle. And they're all saying, she should be more respectful. I said, not of this mess. I'm not respecting this. And then that's the worst thing is I was the only one that acted that way. I thought about going up on the platform and knocking them in the head, but I didn't figure that would go over either. I did think about it. I thought about going up to the platform. Why? Well, Second John, you ever read Second John? There's three little Johns. Read Second John. If you read little Second John, you'll find out that that's the spirit of Antichrist. And it tries to get into the church. You don't have somebody that's not born again trying to teach the scriptures. I don't care if he's Rabbi Shema Shema. He's not born again. Amen. Amen. So then I, I left and the leadership found out, you know, well, they heard me. Because I think the last thing I said, Jesus is the Messiah, fella. I think that's what I said. And so the, they sent one of their theologians to, to talk to me in this conference to, to straighten me out. And, and I thought that was fun. And so I, I heard him out and I, and I, I just quoted three or four different verses. And he said, well, you need to read his book. I, I said, I don't read Braille. And he, he said, what are you talking about? Well, I said, Paul said he's blind. Paul said in 2 Corinthians, every time a, a old covenant Jew Somebody says, oh, he's anti-Semitic. Jesus is a Jew. Cut it out. I love Jews. Amen? You did know Jesus was a Jew. I, 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 know, I know your Sunday school. He's an Anglo-Saxon Anglo with a little sheepy under his arm. But Jesus probably had a big nose and black curly hair and a beard. Amen? He didn't look like that handsome actor that Mel Gibson cast. Sorry. Man, am I cranky tonight. Happy Thanksgiving. No, Jesus said, or Paul said rather, excuse me, Paul said that there's a veil over their face. Why? Because Satan has blinded them. The spirit of this world has blinded their eyes that they would not believe. It's deceptive. Somebody said, well, I need to read this old Jewish material. Why? To get dumber? See, Paul mastered all of that. He was, that's why I brought all this up. Look at what Paul said. 
verse, chapter 3, verse 1 of Philippians. Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. Glory to God. Yeah. Hallelujah. To write the same things to you, to me indeed, is not grievous. For you it is safe. In other words, all Paul's saying right there is saying, listen, i got to tell you tough stuff. It's, but it's not grievous. It's, it's, it's good for you. You got to eat your, your peas and your carrots. It's not always tasty stuff. Well, I like peas and carrots, but anyhow, beware of dogs. Paul's not talking about taking a walk in a rough neighborhood. Dogs is one of the worst insults you could give in that culture. And he called people dogs. Why? Because he hated tradition that robs people of the word of God. And he's referring to these Pharisaic Judaizers, that's that false doctrine that comes about every 20 years in the church. Beware of dogs. Beware of evil workers. Beware of self-mutilators. Referring to circumcision. See, if you're not getting circumcised for the right reasons. You're just mutilating yourself. Amen. Remember my mom when I was about eight years old and we were taking communion. She wouldn't let me, she never let me take communion. Everybody else got to eat the bread and drink the is that wine or is that juice? Why why am I not allowed to take communion? Because you don't understand what it what you don't understand what it represents. I remember her telling me that. Like fifteen years later I found out she didn't know either. Traditions rob us from reality. Jesus is really alive, people. He's not hiding in a tradition. Amen. So Paul, he says, we are the circumcision, which worship God in the Spirit with our shofars and rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. Though I might also have confidence. Listen to Paul's bio here. This is his resume. Paul knew what he was talking about. If any other man thinks that he has whereof he might trust in the flesh, I more. Circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews, as touching the law of Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching the righteousness which is in the law, blameless, but what things were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, of whom or for whom I have suffered the loss of all things. Everything. It's interesting. A lot of times, a lot of times your commentaries won't bring this out. But Paul was a Pharisee. And you were not qualified to be a Pharisee unless you were married. Now, Paul was either a widower or he lost his wife when he got saved. He lost everything. He said, I've suffered it all and I count them. What's he counting? His circumcision, the traditions, all this stuff that gets worshipped today. Oh, it sure is quiet in here. I count it all but dung. 
that I may win Christ. Now we got enough farmers in here because it's Lancaster to understand he didn't say dumb. And he didn't. The Greek language was, was actually a language used by because of Alexander the Great. It was a language used in the army. Any soldiers in here know how soldiers talk? Make a truck driver blush. All right, just, 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 Paul didn't count it dung. He counted it something else. So, Pastor Dale, what do you think about this dung? Or that's a bunch of fill in the blank. All right. See why? Because Paul wasn't interested in traditions and the trappings of the flesh, but I want to win Christ and be found in him. Not having my own righteousness. See, here's the point. What if some of those traditions work? You're going to end up with your own righteousness. You're going to be able to say, look what I did. But guess what? You can never get there. This law of works has been tried, tested, and proven that it don't work. Amen? Be found in Him, not having my own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith, that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection. Now, happy Easter. Glory to God. That's what He's talking about. Amen. Somebody said, well, we're celebrating that Jesus was raised from the dead. That's a great big step over an Easter bunny. But go on and take the next step that he lives in me. Yes. Amen. Amen. I know the power of his resurrection. About 26, oh wow, 27 years ago, I was preaching the Easter service in Yerevan, Armenia. And the pastor was driving and the interpreter was uh, in the back seat leaning between the seats so he could interpret. And as we were driving to this, the, the Easter service in the morning, I'd already been there about a month. And I'd been preaching a lot. And the pastor was right there with me and he's not preaching for a month. And, and I'm on the way to the service. Easter service over there is a big deal. Every, the, the whole city shuts down. Nothing's open. And the Spirit of God spoke to me and said, you will not be preaching this morning. In my heart, we're just driving in the car. Pastor's over here. And I thought, oh, Lord, you know, I, that's inconsiderate of me to think I would be preaching this morning because it's the Easter service. The pastor should preach Easter service. That's what I'm thinking in my head. You know, Arthur needs to preach to his own congregation. It's Easter. And I'm like, Lord, no problem, you know. And uh, and the Lord said, no, Arthur's not preaching either. And I said, Lord, and the Spirit of God came on me and the Lord said, I want to preach this morning. I'll never forget that. I'm telling you, I was so unglued. I don't think I preached but about two verses and then every other word was Jesus is alive. Did you know he's alive? All through the Middle East, there are testimonies, probably tens of thousands of them, of, of people seeing the man in white. Having dreams of the man in white. 
encountering the man in white. I had several times in meetings I've preached over there where they, they, the man in white would show up while I'm preaching. Think of that. That's, that's a seal of approval. <laughs> or else it's an interruption. <laughs> Take it however you want. But the man in white shows up. Remember the woman laying on the ground and behind the last seat, didn't even know she was there. And she, she jumps up, starts screaming. And when they brought her to the front, all she wanted to know was, where'd he go? Where'd he go? Where'd who go? Well, I was laying there and this man in white came and stood over me and told me, spoke to me, spoke my name, told me to get up. I was healed. Where'd he go? The man in white. Jesus is alive. I shouted out, Jesus is alive one time. There's about a thousand people in that theater and, and, and everyone shouted with me. And, but this side over here wouldn't quit shouting. And I couldn't preach. It was like water. It was just waves of, of screaming. And, and right in the middle of it, I saw these three ladies just looking at each other and crying and hugging each other. And, and it was grandma, mama, and a, I think she was about 17-year-old girl. She'd been born deaf mute. And when I shouted, Jesus is alive, God popped her ears open. And she started making noise. They brought her to the platform. We had her saying the name of Jesus in about three minutes. Glory, can you imagine that? The first thing you hear is the name Jesus. Jesus, Jesus. Hallelujah. He's alive. The power of His resurrection is in me. It's in you. Well, it also tied into that is the fellowship of His sufferings. Being made conformable into His death. If by any means I might attain to the resurrection of the dead, not as though I'd already attained, Either were already perfect, but I follow after. If that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Verse 13. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended. But this one thing I do. Now if there's one thing Paul does, it's one thing we ought to do. And I've preached this for years. That you ought to forget your past. And you should. But I, that's out of context. Any of you got a past you, you just soon forget? Well, the Bible, that is a biblical principle. And we could look at many other verses and you can forget your past. Hello? I don't care what you've been through. Some people say, well, I don't deserve to forget it. Oh, you forget where you put your keys. You can forget your past. Amen. Amen. Some things you need to forget real quick. And some things it's a joy to me. I'm not, I'm not making this up. I've had people hurt Terry and I really, really wrong. And we forgive them. And now it's been 15 years later and we'd be talking about it in the car. And I honest to God can't remember what they did. What did they do? I don't remember what they did. Somebody brought one ugly cuss up to us. <laughs> but he's not ugly cuss, but he was back then. Somebody that did something bad. And, 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 and they said, well, you know, what, what, what was that all about? And I sat there at the counter. Is it a restaurant? I sat there and thought, I'm just being 100% honest with you. I don't even remember. That ain't, that ain't the forgetfulness of losing your keys. That's the grace of God. Because you know what? I could sit down with that person and have a, a meal or a cup of coffee and it'd just be 
like meeting an old friend. Why? Because I forgave them 20-some years ago. Dear Lord. Amen? Well, if I can forget something like that, you can forget some tragedy that happened to you. Well, you know, you just don't know what my dad did when I was little. No, I don't. And, and if you forget it, you'd be the same way as me. You just don't know. Let go of some of them memories. There's the power of the resurrection of Jesus will enable you to do it. But having said all that, which is an, as a side, side note, that's not what Paul's talking about. When he said, brethren, there's one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. The things he's talking about are the traditions of men that he brought up in Philippian, in the beginning of the chapter. He said, I count all that dung and I'm forgetting all that. Forgetting what? I'm forgetting that I was raised this way in this, this, this society of rules and regulations. I'm forgetting this bondage that was placed upon me. I'm forgetting all, all of this don't touch, don't taste, don't do this, don't do that. I'm forgetting all these uh, holy days. Forgetting all of these, these Sabbath days. He said, forget it. And he was a Roman, so he, was, he had an in, Italian influence, so he said, forget about it. <laughs> it gets so serious, I have, to, I have to lighten you a little bit. Turn with me to Galatians. Let's look in Galatians chapter 4. Verse 6, And because you are sons, God has sent forth the Spirit of His Son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Wherefore thou art no more a servant, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. Howbeit then, when you knew not God, say, when you knew not God, See, all these traditions, the Sabbaths, the holy days, right? All of those Old Testament types and shadows were for people who did not know God. And you have to explain God to someone who has no concept of God. But when the reality has come, you don't need any of that shadow stuff anymore. You've got reality. See, people are uh, kind of conflicted about this because the value of the Old Covenant in the Old Testament is, is amazing when seen through born-again eyes. Like the, one of the old scholars said, the Old Testament is the New Testament concealed. The New Testament is the Old Testament revealed. But one of the things you see in the Old Testament, because all of the Old Testament was written for us, for our example, to whom the end of the world has come. All that Old Testament examples are for us if interpreted in light of the resurrection of Jesus. But to go back under the law and to live under the law is to reject who Jesus is and what He came for. Paul said, I forget all that. Well, here he said, when you knew not God, you did service unto them which in by nature are no gods, 
But now after you have known God, or rather are known of God, how turn you again or turn back again to the weak and beggarly elements whereunto you desire again to be in bondage? You observe days and months and times and years. See, it's not in the ceremony. It's not in the, in the service. It's not in the tradition. It's in the reality. Now, I can enjoy the service. I can enjoy the ceremony because I see the King. And He's alive. Amen? There's no substitute for Jesus. He said, I'm afraid of you lest I bestowed upon you labor in vain. See, isn't that powerful? We don't need to go back to the old traditions when we have the presence of a living Savior, Jesus. He's alive. Jesus, He's been raised from the dead. Let's go back to Colossians then. Whenever I see people Going back to the, the shadows, let's look here in Galatians or Colossians. Let's start in verse 11 again. No, verse 10 again. I want to emphasize this. You are complete in Him. You are complete in Him. See, when you go back and, and, and these pastors, this leader of this pastor's group, well, we're going to have this rabbi come up and he's going to teach us because he's from that culture and, and he understands all this and we're going to understand from him. Somewhere in there, you don't believe you're complete in Jesus. Somewhere, you think there's something new to be added. Well, we need to blow the shofar because that was the, the instrument. Well, I like the shofar if you can blow it. Right? Well, we have to have this meal and we have to have it this way because that's the way the wafers have to be made this way. Well, I don't know. Paul was a Roman. I'd just as soon eat baked zita. Amen. Because it's not in the ceremony. It's in the living Jesus. And you're complete in Him. You're complete in Him. You're complete in Jesus. And He's the head of all principality and power. In whom also you are circumcised. In putting off the body of the sins of the flesh. Buried with Him in baptism. Wherein you also are risen with Him through the faith of the operation of God. Now here's the point I want to bring out to our attention. Tonight we're going to celebrate the Lord's table together. Basically, it's, it's quite simple. After the new covenant was established, the church kept very few what we call sacraments. Now the Catholics kept seven. I don't remember them all. 
Typically, evangelicals, Protestants, will observe two or three. Two meaning communion and baptism. Some will say holy matrimony and laying on of hands. All right. The Catholics, I do like them because in their seven sacraments, one of their sacraments is holy orders. When you lay hands on someone to, to install them in ministry. Well, that is a holy ceremony. But in that, I, I agree, I don't want to make it into a ceremony because it loses its power. Sid and I were just jesting before the service about being men of planning. As we were talking about Armada Commission and, and, and the Spirit was prompting him on a few things, so that's why we, we did that this morning. And I laughed and I said, yeah, you and I plan a lot. I liked how we planned your ordination service. Because we didn't. I, we, were, we had an ordination service for, for two others, I believe it was. Three others. And, and they were, you were guests. Was that your first time there? That was your first time into church. And Ralph Wilkerson was there. And I got into the pulpit and I couldn't figure out but what a living Jesus wanted to do something. See, now learn from this. And, and if I'd been restricted by traditions of man, there ain't no way in God's green earth He's being ordained that night. But He had it from the Holy Ghost sometime during the service, before the service, he turned to his wife and said, the Lord just told me I'm going to be ordained tonight. Well, that's nuts. But when you're complete in Jesus, I'm telling you, he's alive. And he wouldn't let me move. I had no clue until up to, literally to the very moment and the Lord said, ordain him. And I'm thinking, that's nuts. But it wasn't nuts. It was the Holy Ghost. Doesn't mean I'm not nuts. Like Dave Roberson said about, hey, I heard that, amen. I saw you slip in. You stayed out in the back so I wouldn't pick on you. I know it. See, there's, there's, there's power here that I don't want us as a generation to miss. And we substitute it for traditions of man. I don't want to walk in the power of God. I want to be sure that this next generation knows what the power of God is, is hungry for the power of God and the miraculous, and will not accept anything less than the power of God in your life and in your ministry. Amen. And I know that ordination is important to God because... It, so that's why I like the Catholics. There is something holy about that. And we as, as Protestants, sometimes we, we minimalize to the point that the only two sacraments are, are generally accepted is the Lord's table and, and, and baptism. Well, I believe holy matrimony was, was something that God ordained and that ought to be considered a third, right? And I know that laying on of hands is a holy sacrament. 
because Paul, or excuse me, James instituted it. If there's any sick among you, call for the elders of the church. Let them pray over them, anointing them with all in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick, and the Lord shall raise them up. Well, the Catholics have enough sense to make that a sacrament. All right? But I understand you can take all of those and make religion out of it and take the power right out of it. I don't want to take the power out of it. Amen. Amen. 1992 in December, the Spirit of God spoke to me in a time of worship. And the Lord said, at the turn of the year, you're going to be called out uh, and separated into the ministry of the Apostle to it, the, that I'd called you to, a point of separation. See, in Acts, uh, the, Paul and Barnabas were prophets and teachers, but the Holy Ghost spoke. And when the Holy Ghost spoke, Paul and Barnabas had hands laid on them in that group and they prayed and fasted. And then they sent them off into missions. They didn't know what they were doing. That's the first time it ever happened. But they followed the Holy Ghost. See, if we make our relationship with God ritual and, and, and service and ceremony and we stay rooted in that, we'll never be open for God to push us further and take the next step. And so the Lord told me at the turn of the year, you're going to be called out of, out of the crowd you're going to have hands laid on you. They're, they're going to anoint with you with oil. And Acts 14 will be read over you. And I'll separate you into the ministry of the apostle. So I know that the, the, the actual event is precious to God. But I'm not going to make that a tradition. Right? You don't want to take the power out. Because God wants to do new things. Because Jesus is alive. I'll also tell you this. Two weeks ago. I was sitting over there where, where my son Zach and my daughter in love Jillian are sitting. And the Spirit of the Lord spoke to me during worship after the service. Pastor had already preached. And, this, and I looked up and saw all these flags, which, of course, you see them and then you forget they're there. You know what I mean? Until you force yourself to look. And the Lord spoke to me. I never did tell you this. The Lord spoke to me and said, there's a host of new flags to be put on the wall. I thought that was an interesting word. There's a host of new flies. See, you can't make that a ritual either. You just follow the Holy Spirit. Right? But when it comes to certain things, when you, when you boil it down to its irreducible core, there is something you have to hold on to that's non-negotiable. And when Paul did not follow Jesus around. He was not at the Last Supper. But only two things Paul talked about that Jesus appeared to him and personally delivered to Paul. One was in 1 Corinthians 15 about the resurrection and how Jesus died for our sins and was raised from the dead on the third day according to the Scriptures. According to, so when Jesus delivered that to Paul, Jesus used Scripture. That's amazing. The second thing Paul refers to, I mean, come on, remember, Paul's the one that was caught up to heaven. I don't know how long he stayed there. I mean, think about it. All these time travel movies, he might have been caught up to heaven and been there for 40 years and came back the same day. <laughs> I'll just leave you with that. I think strange things sometimes. That's a good hint that I preached too long. But anyhow, you got the shofar? Amen. So... Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. I'm, in, I'm enjoying the night. I hope you are. Glory to God. Jesus is alive. 
1 Corinthians 11, verse 23. Sometime during the the worship, we're going to receive communion. Pastor will instruct you. 1 Corinthians 11, let's start in verse 23. For I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered to you. See, there's an irreducible minimum. You can go in the Old Testament and study the Passover, the Paschal Lamb, the process. What are you studying? Types and shadows. Of people who didn't know God the way you know God. Because they didn't have Jesus living on the inside of them. All of that history is condensed down to about six verses. To the irreducible minimum, which is what we call the holy sacrament of the Lord's table. And Paul, by the way, Corinth, he wasn't preaching to Hebrews who knew this story. He was preaching to people who had never heard. He did not fill them in on the Paschal Lamb. He did not fill them in on the, on the sprinkling of the mantle. Right? Somebody said, well, those things are important. No, they're not. Well, yeah, yeah, those things are really important because it helps me see more. No, it's dung. Because once you've gone through the shadow and you got reality, I'm sorry. It, it can't compare. Now, I learn from it and it's an example and it leads me into to an understanding of history and how God was working through the ages up until this point. All of it leads me to Jesus. And if it's not leading me to Jesus, I, don't, I ain't going. And when he had given thanks, he broke it. He said, take and eat. This is my body which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. After the same manner, he took the cup when he had supped. He said, this cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as often as you drink, drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death till he come. Wherefore, whoever will eat this bread, drink this cup of the Lord unworthily, shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself. And so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he that eats and drinks unworthily, eats and drinks damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this cause many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep. For if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. But when we are judged, we're chastened to the Lord that we would not be condemned with the world. Wherefore, my brethren, when you come together to eat, tarry one for another. So we got Joyce, Shirley, and Terry. Praise the Lord. <laughs> like I said, it gets so serious in here. I got I to gotta bring some levity just to keep you awake. Everything you need to know about the Lord's table is right there in its irreducible minimum. But when you receive communion tonight, looking in the face of a living Jesus, full of God, the fullness of the Godhead indwelled Him bodily, and Jesus dwells in me. You are complete. You are complete in Him. And as we share the Lord's table, according to these verses that Paul's given to us that he received directly from Jesus, we walk in the power of His resurrection. Jesus is 
alive. Amen? And He's living in me. And when He said, take and eat, take and drink, there was a living man before He died. And then He was raised from the dead in the power of an eternal life. Let's pray. And as the worship team comes, I'll just turn it over to worship unless you want to say something, Pastor. You want to say something? Yeah, when, let's pray and then I'll... Talk. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank You for the power of Your presence, the power of a living God in a dying world. I thank You that Jesus would manifest Himself here in this place where more than two or three are gathered in agreement. There the great I Am is in our midst tonight. And we bless You and we honor You for it. If you're here tonight and you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, with every eye open and every eye looking around, turn to your neighbor and ask him, Is Jesus the Lord of your life? you can't fish in the safe environment of a church, you're not going to fish out there in the world. Is Jesus the Lord of your life? Maybe you brought someone tonight and it's their time to be saved. Well, take them by the hand and say, hey, I'll come forward with you. I'll walk forward with you. Let's just, let's just go and pray and receive Jesus right now. Is there anyone? Did you bring anyone? Listen, I encourage you to bring people to church. You could say, well, I'm not very good at evangelizing or witnessing. That's okay. Can you say the phrase, hey, why don't you come to church with me? Can you say that? I'll pick you up. You remember that. I... <laughs> People get saved that way. Hey, you want to come to church with me? I'll pick you up. Amen. We used to have a guy in Titusville that had them printed up, little business card sized tickets. And on the front it said, a free ticket to heaven. He'd go around and say, hey, would you like a free ticket? they say, to what? And he'd give them hair. Give them a free ticket to heaven. You know some people are in heaven because those free tickets to heaven. Amen. Amen. The pastor come and bless the people. Thank you for being uh, patient with me. Glory to God. Happy Easter. So how are you doing? Shofar so good? <laughs> I had to say something. You know, in my studies, you can correct me if I'm wrong, shofar was to call to worship. They, they just blow that thing and people be out in the fields, oh, it's time to go worship. It wasn't really an instrument that they used. I mean, it was just a, it's kind of like a siren. You know, when I was a kid, we had the six o'clock siren. When that went off, you go home and eat supper, you know, so... Yeah, anyway, I was just thinking about that. Sometimes when they blow the shofar in the middle of a song, it's like, it isn't even in the right key. <laughs> so, anyway, praise God. And Rabbi such and such, if you're here, we'd love to pray with you. So, okay. We're good now.
You know, he died a lamb, but he was raised a lion. There's victory. Yeah, there's victory in it for you and I. Victory. Thank you, Jesus. I like to take the bread and I break it because it reminds me of his broken body. You know, he was broken for me, for you. That his body took a beating for you. By his wounds, Scripture says we are healed. So as you take the bread, take it and receive from Jesus your healing. Thank You for Your broken body. Thank You for the healing You've given to us, Lord. We receive it right now. We, we thank You, Father, for healed and healthy bodies in this house tonight. For bodies that cooperate with the finished work of the cross. Someone say, I am healed. I am healed. Thank You, Jesus. I'm so glad He didn't just quit there and say, I just came for Your body. He said, I'm going to finish this up by making you one of God's very own. By making a covenant with you that's stronger than anything else. A covenant of blood. A covenant that gives you the right to call our God Abba Father. Daddy God. It washes away His blood. washes away all our sins. Now it's not blood in the cup. It's juice. But you know what it signifies, right? The blood of Jesus that cleanses us from all sin, from all unrighteousness. And it's the covenant that forever remains for you and I. So let's take it. I thank you, Lord. Let's just say this together. I receive your cleansing. I believe in Jesus. I believe he died for me. I believe he was raised from the dead. I believe He's seated at the right hand of the Father. And He represents me there. He intercedes for me. I believe. Alright, let's rejoice. Father, what You started through Jesus here in the earth, we present ourselves to carry on the work to carry to completion all that You have set before us to do. So Father, I ask for an increase of ability to receive Your grace, to enable us to walk in Your divine appointments, to enable us to walk in signs and wonders, that when we lay hands on the sick, they are recovered. I thank You, Lord, for stretching out Your hand to do signs and wonders and to give great boldness to us, Your people. Father, I thank You that You open up our eyes to see as You see in the earth today. To see the things that You are doing. The positioning that has been taking place, Father. And we present ourselves for revival. For full and complete revival of Your life flowing through us. Of Your light being in and through us. Of us being the salt that You created us to be. I thank You for it. And someone say, Amen. You know, we are recreated beings. We are not of this world. We are from above. 
And all those things that want to attach you, that past that Pastor was talking about earlier tonight, it's, it's dead and gone. It's buried. And you are a new creation in Christ Jesus. Let's say this. The law of the Spirit of life sets me free from the law of sin and death. That's Romans 8.2 if you want to find it later and repeat it some more. Hallelujah. Well, one way that we love God in this house is we love on each other. We check up on each other and say, how are you doing? Can I pray for you? So let's do that. Good evening. Welcome to Church of the Word International here in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. We're so glad each and every one of you are here tonight. Thank you so much for showing up. Glory to God. I want to encourage you in our worship time together from Psalms 95 and 96. The Lord invites us. He says, Oh, come, let us sing unto the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise unto the rock of our salvation. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving and make a joyful noise unto him with psalms. Yes, that's it. Let's, let's hear that again. Everybody. <laughs> For the Lord is great. He's a great God and a great king above all gods. Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker, for he is our God and we are his people of the pasture and the sheep of his hand. Oh, sing unto the Lord a new song. Sing unto the Lord all the earth. Do you see how he's inviting us to respond to him? Sing unto the Lord and bless his name. Declare his glory among the heathen, his wonder among all the people. Why? For the Lord is great and greatly to be praised. Give unto the Lord, O kindred of the people. Give unto the Lord glory and strength. Give unto the Lord glory. Do his name. Bring an offering. An offering of what? Praise and worship. Praise and worship is an offering unto the Lord. And then he ends it by saying, O worship the Lord. Well, we were created to worship him. And when we leave this earthly tent and step into the glory of God, that's what we'll be doing is worshiping the Lord for all of eternity. So let's stand up together as family tonight and let's obey the word. Bring a praise and a worship to him. Amen.
Savior lives. He's alive. Glory to God. Every other God of every other religion is dead. Jesus is the only God that is living and dwelling and alive today. He died on the cross, was buried, and rose again from the dead. Glory to God. Jesus, our Redeemer, our Deliverer, our King. He's everything. He's everything you need, everything you desire. He is a chief problem solver for each and every one of us. It's all about Jesus. Say that. It's all about Jesus. Father, we're just so grateful for this weekend as a reminder of how much you love each and every one of us, that you sent your only begotten son, that whosoever would believe would not perish but have everlasting life. And Jesus, we thank you for all coming and being a part of the redemption being our Redeemer, our Deliverer, our Healer, our Savior, our King, our soon-coming King. You are our everything. And Jesus, we give you all the glory and all the praise. And we thank you for it. Let's turn to one another and let's thank each other for loving Jesus and for showing up tonight. One way we love God is how? loving one another and the children may be dismissed right now oh hallelujah you glad to be in the house of the lord tonight well welcome and we'd like to welcome anyone that's here for the first time can you raise your hand so we can give you proper welcome and over here we have some guests thank you for being here tonight with us we trust the Lord has something to minister to your heart. So, All right, well, if you need a cash envelope for your giving, raise your hand. The ushers will see that you get it. If you're giving by credit card, do fill out all of the blanks. And uh, if you're giving by check, you can make it out to CWI. Well, we're going to prepare to return the tithe to the Lord this evening. And I had some... Scripture here in Proverbs, I felt impressed to share. So it's Proverbs 30, verse 5. It says this, says, Every word of God proves true. Yes. Proves true. He's not a liar. If he said it works like this, it's going to work like this. If he said, I'll do this if you do that, then he'll do it. You can count on it. He's just good for his word. That's, that's part of his character. That's who he is. So when he says in Malachi 3.10 that he will open the windows of heaven for the tither and pour out blessing until there's no more lack, every word of God proves true. He will do it for the tither. So when he says in the next verse that he will rebuke the devourer for the tither, then he will do it. Every word of God proves true. If he says... Sow bountifully and you will reap bountifully. Every word of God proves true. It happens like that. So the next line here says, He is a shield to those who take refuge in Him. He's a shield. Well, what does a shield do? It protects, right? 
offers shelter, protection. You hide behind that. You rely on that to keep you from something bad. You know, this, this truth here, every word of God proves true. You know, everything he has ever said is absolutely the truth, and it works like that. But it doesn't work for everyone. It only works for those that take refuge in him, who uses that as, uses his words as a shield and relies on it, depends on it, expects it. So, well, I'm one that trusts in him. How about you? I'm one that's counting on his word to come true. How about you? All right. So any need you have in your life, find something he said concerning that need and expect it to be like that, like he said it would be. Well, let's take a hold of the tithe and the offerings and let's pray over that. Father, we just are so grateful tonight that you, that you sent Jesus, that we have a way to be restored to relationship with you. And we're so grateful that you're a kind God, that you're dependable and trustworthy and every word that you have said is true. You keep your promises and we're just so thankful. So we present you these tithes and offerings. We call these people and tithers blessed in the name of Jesus. And I thank you, Lord, that any need, any obstacles that are in the path for these people, that you provide an answer in a timely way, and we just thank you for it. In Jesus' name, and amen. And the ushers will pass the baskets, and the people will return the tithe to the Lord. A couple of things in the bulletin I wanted to point out. Many of you know that um, Levi and Andrea Lapp had their little baby, So we had put together a meal schedule for them on Facebook, and I know maybe there's some of you that aren't on Facebook and have not seen that. So if you would like to give a meal or get a meal to the laps, um, you can either go on Facebook or get in touch with me or Kelly or Alicia, somebody. We'll talk to Andrea, but I'm sure they would appreciate some meals as they adjust to another baby. Also, tonight is the last night to sign up for, I believe it is, by April 3rd, so yes, um, for the Ghana Initiative Fundraiser that's coming up Friday, April 16th. So if you're going to be there or would like to be at that fundraiser, uh, we do need you to sign up so we know how many uh, people to prepare food for. Also, the ladies in waiting, that's going to, that's coming up Saturday, April 17th, and there's a sign-up sheet as well in the back. Also in the back, lots of things to check out in the back, on the table. Um, there is a flyer here. Um, it's a, it's a, an event that Aaron Ray and Shawnee are putting on. Aaron Ray Zimmerman's are putting on. It's an event, an evening with Representative David Zimmerman. <clears throat> so this is a cool thing. So it's not at their place, so please read the flyer. But they are hosting this event, and it's um, you're going to have opportunity to ask David Zimmerman questions. Um, it says to learn more about current PA legislation and why it should matter to you. It should matter to us. We have a responsibility to find out. So um, if if you're interested, check this out in the back. I'm going to say this too. There's not a whole lot of flyers, so if you're able to, you got one of those smartphones. Take a picture. That way there's flyers there for those that can't take pictures. All right. Oh, Dave. Uh. 
Yeah, that date is April 9th for the evening with Representative David Zimmerman. So if you have, shifting gears here, if you um, have an interest in attending the Armada Commission Bible School, some of you know what I'm talking about, others are saying, what's that? Uh, if you have feel like maybe you have a pull on you into the fivefold ministry or into maybe being a missionary or maybe into the helps ministry in the church, if you feel called to one of these areas or have a pull there, then a place like Armada Commission is a wonderful place to get in and to grow and be developed in those things. And so it's a Bible school that, that we've run in the years past. We haven't run it for, for several years now. And if we get enough students enrolled, we will go with it again. And um, of course, I'm going to now turn it over to Apostle Dale, and he's going to explain a little bit more in depth on what the Armada Commission is and um, how to be a part of it. Amen. Isn't God good? Yeah. Well, I'm following the Holy Ghost here as he's prompted Pastor Sidney where the Armada Commission is concerned. We've uh, been cautious about moving forward with it because of the the student body. We started with, uh, what was it, three students? And uh, four, I guess. And uh, But I think Harvard started with three or four. So it's, it's an interesting time. And just recently, the Lord has uh, been provoking uh, Sydney in his spirit. And that means a lot to me. I, I like to uh, hear what God is saying not just to me, but what God is saying to the body. And uh, so with Armada Commission, it's a full-time Bible school. Uh, we, ha we, we uh, have breakfast together, and then we have generally three lectures or sessions that takes you right about up to noon and then gets you out to uh, fulfill your life. Amen? Josh is here nodding his head because he was one of those students, those lucky few that we practiced on. <laughs> and uh, he's, he's, he's uh, a fine example, maybe it'd be a, what we'd call a poster child for what God can do through the Bible school. I don't know, is Aaron Ray here? Is Aaron here? They're not here. This Aaron would come in off the, uh, the farm, and uh, he, he was so tired because he had to get up extra early to care, take care of the farm to get there to the school and uh, he didn't like it because sometimes he'd fall start to fall asleep you know and uh, so he would stand up to make himself stay awake I never saw such determination it was uh, it was a blessing and inspiration amen so the bottom line is if you feel called into full-time ministry and pr predominantly um, the, the church stands behind you that's what we're called to do the role of a, of a pastor in the local congregation is to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. It's not about my ministry. It's about what God's called you to do, and we're to help equip you. Sort of like the difference between someone having a pilot's license and someone being a flight instructor. Both, in both cases, it's good that you know how to fly. But a, but a flight instructor is a little different. And really, that's what a pastor is to do. Modern day church has made the pastor into a little more than a chaplain. 
and we pay that guy so we don't have to do anything. How many of you know that's not the biblical way? Amen. Amen. So pray about it. And if it is on, it's been burning in your heart, and I believe that it is for some of you, well, then reach out to Pastor Sidney or myself, and we'll make sure you get a brochure, and we'll, we'll uh, help move forward. Amen? Amen.